Welcome, everybody. I'm Chris Miller, author of the number one best-selling book, Ready for Pre-Tirement, Three Secrets for Safe Money and a Fabulous Future. And I'm so honored to be the host of this show called Ready, Set, Retire. But you know, I'm going to change the word retire to refire because most people about halfway through their lives are deciding that they want to recreate and give back and and really, a lot of people are starting second businesses and and ways that they can to give back to the world. But I realize that pre-retirement means plan retirement early, so your money, your health, and your peace of mind is there when you need it. It's a pretty big subject. That's why we reach out to some amazing experts that will help you in this transition and show you some really creative ways to be able to earn a living, make your fortune, and have peace of mind while you do it. Today, my special guest is Dr. Larry Waldman. He's an experienced clinical psychologist in Phoenix, Arizona. He's a consultant, professor, author, and of numerous books and articles, actually five books. And for nearly 40 years, he's helped individuals achieve their life's goals. I want to welcome you, Larry, so much for being on our show. Well, thank you. Pleasure to be here. And today we're going to talk about, you know, everybody's uh, too busy to earn a living, right? Make your fortune. <laughs> right. That, that's, the, that's the title of my latest book, uh, Too Busy Earning a Living to Make Your Fortune. And the subtitle, which I think is the real key, is Discover the Psychology of Achieving Your Life Goals. Well, you know, that that's really what everybody's trying to do is achieve their goals and and it's pretty common that everybody gets stuck and you know you know, running around crazy, being busy, being busy. What is you know, what keeps everybody stuck? What what is going on with that? Well, it it, it is a it is a very common problem. I, I see people in my office on a regular basis who are complaining that you know, they're they're stuck in a, in a dead end job. Uh, they they don't really like what they do on a day by day basis. They'd like to look for something else or do something else. They may not even be sure what that is, but uh, they tell me they they don't have the time, the energy, or or the money to stop doing what they're doing and and find something else. And I, that's what kind of led, led me to this title. I, I see so many people uh, spending their, their time and energy doing things that they really don't want, but they don't have the, the time or the energy or the money uh, uh, to do the things they, they truly want. So how, I, yeah. Go ahead. Sure. Well, I was just going to say, how do we get unstuck? <laughs> well, <laughs> there's, there's a number of things that, that we have to do. Uh, First off, of course, we, we, we have to have a, uh, a target. Uh, we, we have to kind of know where we're, where we're heading. Uh, I frequently ask people, well, you know, what, what's your dream job? I mean, what would you like to be doing? And more often than not, the, there isn't a real specific direct answer. Uh, uh, sometimes I, I get, I don't know, or uh, a, a vague kind of thing. Well, you know, I'd like to do something 
you know, uh, in the area of this or that, but but they're not uh, they're not at all uh, at all specific. There's a couple of uh, basic things though that that keep uh, most uh, most people stuck. You know, first uh, first uh, uh, is of course fear uh, to uh, step out of your rut, uh, if you will. Uh, requires uh, requires uh, real bravery. Even though uh, someone is stuck, at least they know where they're at. They they uh, they know what they're doing. The old expression: uh, What's worse, the, the devil you know or the devil you don't? Right, right. Yeah. And and so some people are are afraid to uh, step take a step out. They're of course. Uh, afraid they're going to uh, going to fail. I've had many people say, "Well, you know, I I don't like what I'm doing, and and I don't even know how I can afford to stop doing what I'm doing." But uh, oh my goodness, what what would happen if I tried something else and I failed? Right. So the the fear of failure keeps them uh, keeps them absolutely stuck. Occasionally, I even get the opposite. Some people say, "Well, you know, if I were." Uh, really successful, that would be kind of scary, too, because people then would have uh, much higher expectations of me, and I'm not sure I'd be ready to face that as well. Boy, everybody just pins themselves in a little box, huh? That's exactly right. Uh, another uh, another reason uh, is, that, is that people, uh, frankly... Uh, uh, want things too quickly. The, they have this uh, a great need for uh, immediate uh, gratification. Uh, they want what they want when they want it, and they're uh, many times they're not really ready to uh, to work for it, or or the or the uh, the satisfaction of the immediate reinforcement uh, and the immediate reward of whatever it is they're doing overpowers the the long term goal. I note in my latest book that uh, that some recent data indicated that 57% of people who presently retire on Social Security, in other words, who just, just turned 66, uh, have no other financial resources than Social Security. Exactly. That's, it's, it's shocking. Really. It is. Yeah. Uh, and so what, th- what that says is that uh, many of these people, you know, spent every dime basically they made, and and did not put any of that uh, any of that away. You know, and, and but this is this is true of in in many areas. And 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 again, when, when I talk about achieving life goals, I'm not just talking about money. Of course, that's certainly one part of it is achieving financial independence. But there's many other goals we we might. Want to achieve like 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 getting in better shape, uh, uh, like developing a better relationship with your partner, better relationship with your kids, you know, uh, learning you know write that novel uh, and, and things like that, learning to play the piano, uh, all kinds of things like that. But the, those all these goals require time; they require effort. It, it, they don't happen overnight, and and a lot of people get. Stuck and fail because they 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 won't put in the time and the effort that they need to to achieve what what it is they truly want. Right, exactly. You know, it really is shocking. I'm I'm a national speaker. I go all over the country, and I spoke in Washington D.C. to to the U.S. government financial officers, and they're the 
they're the officers, not the politicians, but the ones that handle billions and trillions of dollars. And I said, how many of you have your plan together? And maybe 2% raise their hand. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. And, and it just shocks me on whatever level, whether it's the government, all the way down to the man on the street. It's the most procrastinated thing. People really don't want to take accountability and responsibility <laughs> of, you know, being prepared and, and doing these things. Now, you talk about the seven reasons why we fail to reach our life's goals, in, including becoming financially free. Maybe we could talk about those. Well, sure. I've actually uh, covered uh, covered two of those already. Again, the, the, the need for immediate gratification. Again, fear, the fear of failure, and sometimes the fear of success. Also, our third one is our is our own uh, what, what I refer to as a, a negative financial blueprint. What I'm referring to here is is kind of our, our built in mindset uh, about money. Most of us don't even realize it, frankly. But uh, you know, we we uh, we grow up uh, in our in our families, and like so many things that that we learn from our families, we we take them uh, for granted. Uh, they they become part of us. Uh, I, I like to refer to it uh, analytically, if you will, as as our truths. The things we come to believe uh, are true, and uh, we take them at face value. But these are truths, uh, of course, that we that we gleaned as children. So they may or may not be necessarily true, but it doesn't make any difference because we accepted them as the truth when we we're children. And and one of those truths has to do with, with money. So, for example, if around the kitchen table, let's say, or dinner table during our childhood, uh, we often heard things like uh, money is the root of all evil, takes money to make money, the rich get richer and the poor stay poor, <clears throat> only the, you know, all, all rich people are snobs, and, and things like that, you see. What, what many people realize is, is that they, they kind of grew up with what I refer to as a money deflector. Uh, they, they, they basically inadvertently really don't want money. They they don't know what to do with it. Uh, they don't often feel they deserve it. They've learned that, like I said, uh, rich people are snobs anyhow. Why would they want money? Uh, I, I found it interesting in doing some research that you know some interest some in, you know interesting common terms we use. Like for example, we call some people filthy rich, and other people dirt. Poor. And what I find particularly interesting is that in both cases, it's unclean. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, people are actually turned off uh, as right. far as, as money is concerned. I give an example. I give a couple examples in, in the book, but uh, one in particular, I'll make it very short, is this, uh, this uh, client I had uh, who was all upset because his company that he had been the supervisor for for, oh my gosh, 20, 30 years was, was going out of business. They were basically the two brothers that owned it were, were just going to close it because they were retiring. And, and he was 
complaining in my office that you know he didn't know what to do and uh, he thought he was going to retire with this company and so on and so forth and now you know he had to go out and look for another job at you know in his middle 50s and and basically I, I listened to him for a while and I then I said to him I said you know it seems to me that no one knows this business better than you you've been basically running it from the ground up for the last couple of decades and he agreed, that's true, and so on. And then I said to him, so why are you going to look for another job? Why don't you talk to these brothers and take the business or buy the business from them? In other words, why why don't you run this business? And and he looked at me like, like I hit him over the head with a two-by-four because it was so foreign to him because his financial blueprint uh, from, again, childhood on, was that he was always going to be a worker bee. He was always going to work for someone. Never did he ever consider that he could be the boss. And you see, it's that kind of thinking that, that keeps us stuck. Well, how do you, I mean, you know, it's just not like, af, you know, affirming I'm this, I'm that, and like people do. What do you tell, how do you tell people to get out of what do you suggest, or how do they get out of that stuck mode? Well, uh, we talk about it. I have them read. I have them become aware, and so on. I mean, like like this gentleman. I mean, last time I saw him, uh, he and his wife were happier than they've ever been. They were making more money than they ever believed you know, it was it was possible. And I give them credit because they were able to step out of their rut and and recognize that yes. You know, I, I don't have to be a worker bee. You know, I don't always have to work for somebody else. I can work for myself. He was able to understand that. And, and his wife, and I give her great credit because I was afraid, frankly, that she was going to put the kibosh on all of that. And, right. And, and just, you know, insist they play it safe. But instead, uh, no, she supported him and said, yes, uh, we can try this. We can do this. We can take a risk. We can take a small business loan. And and buy and buy this this company and work with the brothers and so on. So it, it is possible, uh, and a and a large part of this, you see, it has to do with mindset. As I say in 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 the book on a regular basis, becoming financially independent, I, I believe, is much more a matter of a mindset and in other words, how you how you think uh, than it is about money management or or getting an MBA. It's really true. There's a lot of emotional, you know, bondage with money, like you're talking about, and attachment. I mean, I've watched it for years, two decades. I've counseled over 5,000 families and individuals, and they just get stuck. Well, my husband always banked at Bank of America. I can't move the money, right? Or they just get stuck or emotionally attached. I even did with a something my dad gave me. So how do you get unstuck? You know, it's you talk through it and you work through it, but it really is a mindset change, right? Absolutely. It starts there. It, it, it starts with, with this, this new notion that, you know, wait a minute, you know, I don't have to believe a lot of the things I used to believe. You know, you know believing a falsehood for, for a long time doesn't necessarily make it true. Uh, we we can recognize that that some of our beliefs about money, some of our beliefs about who we are and 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 what we can do and so forth, 
and that we like again have to always work for somebody else uh, are, are not necessarily true. It's not. We can on our own if we choose to, and and if we develop a plan, of course, and so on, we can move forward and and we can become financially independent. Right. So it. And a lot of people don't believe they deserve it, or and it, and that's a really a subtle, you know, it's a subtle mind shift there, because that people have so such low self esteem, and well, hardly even like themselves, and I don't know how people are supposed to love one another, but they can't even love themselves. <laughs> how do you get out of that one? Well, your your point is very well taken. Uh, in fact, that's that's you know point number four in terms of you know why we why we get stuck, and that is you know if you don't you know we don't get what we deserve you know we get what we believe we deserve in life, and if we believe we deserve very little, then that's in fact what we're going to get. And and you're right. A lot of people are, are walking around with uh, a negative. Uh, self-counselor in their head that uh, is frequently telling them that they don't deserve any better than they already have. They're, they're likely to fail uh, if they strike out on their own and, and so on. And of course, that kind of negative self-talk going on, uh, which unfortunately is very, very common, you know, keeps people very, very stuck. And, and again, we, we have to help people realize that that, that that is something that is, is trained. You know, just like we, we learn good and bad behavioral habits, uh, we also learn good and bad thinking habits. And some of those negative uh, thinking habits uh, will, will keep us stuck. In the book, I like to refer to it as stinking thinking. Yeah. Uh, that, that stinking thinking will absolutely keep, keep us stuck. Right. Um, uh, another another uh, area that uh, that holds us back is is we don't know what to do, and and since we don't know what we do, then of course we end up doing nothing. Uh, I can't tell you how many times you know I, I see people do that. You know, uh, they don't take the time to ask questions, uh, explore, do research, find out. And so if they don't know what to do, what most people do is just nothing. Just absolutely nothing. Right. And, and when you do nothing, well, uh, you then, there's an old saying, I, I again, I, I quote in the book a couple times, you know, if you've always do, if you always do what you've always done, you're always going to get what you already got. Right. Exactly. So, and then, and then there's the overwhelm, right? That it just there's just not enough time, and you're just overwhelmed, and you don't know how to put it all together. Right. That's, I know that. that. One. <laughs> oh sure, yeah. yeah. I can't tell you how many clients I've had who who uh, you know, say, look, you know, I get up early, I fight the traffic, I I then go to work, you know, and I I do eight eight nine hours of, of uh, labor or whatever it is I do. And then I, you know, then I fight the traffic home. I get home. I'm completely exhausted. You know, I don't have the time and I don't have the energy or in some cases, you know, the money, which is the last piece, you know, to, uh, to do uh, something else. Again, uh, if you want to break out of your rut, you're going to have to, you know, find the time, make the time to do something else. 
You might even you know, might have to do something after hours and so on. I get up at, uh, I'm up at uh, four, about 4.30 every morning, you know, seven days a week. And that, that time between 4.30 and, 7, and 7.30 before I go to the gym is the time that I use you know, to, to work on, uh, on, my, you know, on my writing, to work on my uh, speaking and, and things along, along those lines. Because when I get to work, when I get to my office, you know, my days are filled uh, seeing patients. So I don't have the time otherwise you know, to do those other things. So I make the time you know, by, I'm a morning person, obviously, I make the time by getting up early uh, to do it. If you're not a morning person, then, then do it in the evening and use that time to do your thinking and planning about how you want to make your, your next move. Some, I've, I've encouraged some clients to take on a, a part-time job. It's not something you're going to do forever, but this is, this is a, a part-time job to earn money, to save it, because so, then this is, this is your, your seed money then that you're going to use to launch your new venture. And when you know you're working part-time for, for your future, you know, it, it doesn't feel so bad to do so. Right. So, you know, you talk about the four schools of psychology and then how they could be used to attain your goals. Maybe you could share with our audience what that means. Sure. Be glad to. In in the field of psychology there are there are in fact four distinct approaches. There's the uh, the biological approach, the analytical approach, the uh, the cognitive approach and and the behavioral approach. And, and by the way, it's it's in, it's important that we understand these these different perspectives because you know if you happen to be in the market to see a a mental health professional, you want to you want to get an understanding of of what approach the, this person is using. The biological approach is is pretty much the purview of of the psychiatrist. This approach, you know, takes a look at, at mental health in terms of our of our biology, if you will, our gen- our genes and our biology. And again, uh, this is this is where the psychiatrist works. The psychiatrist, of course, has, has, is a physician and and uses medication typically as uh, as their, their primary tool. But I've had people who've come into my office for a first session and and as as a psychologist and, and say to me, well. Uh, what, what medication do you think I need? And I'll say, well, you know, we can talk about that, but, you know, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm a psychologist, and, and they get all confused. So, you see, they didn't even understand the difference between the, the, two, the two fields or, or the two professionals and, and, of course, had no understanding about this biological you know, approach as well. But even psychologists do concern themselves to some degree with Biology, because I'm frequently talking to people about uh, sleeping better or sleeping more or eating better and so on, or just going to the physician and getting a, getting a checkup. You know, talk about procrastination. It's it's I regularly as part of my intake now ask adults when's the last time you had a physical, and mm-hmm. I swear sometimes it's decades. Right. Right. I know everybody doesn't, don't, they don't think they're going to get sick or die or, I mean, there's a, a, sort of an unreality or that stock market's not going to crash again or, right? 
Well, right. And just as you talked about before, about people not planning for, you know, planning for their their financial retirement and so forth, you know, people put off, you know, uh, their own health. I mean, to go a couple of years without without a physical, my goodness, I mean, any number of things could, uh, could be operating that could be uh, discovered, you know, with a blood test or, or other kinds of tests that... Uh, uh, that could have significant uh, bearing on, on our overall functioning, but we never know until it hits. Right, right. Well, for those of you that just joined in, you're listening to Ready, Set, Retire. I'm Chris Miller, and I'm the host of this show. My special guest is Dr. Larry Waldman, and he's talking about his new book, Too Busy Earning a Living to Make a Fortune, Discover the Psychology of Achieving Your Life Goals. And we're talking about some great things here. And for those of you that want to reach out to me, you can get go to my website, readyforpretirement.com. I have a free article on the three myths of financial planning. If you want to find out what you need to be ready, we can actually give you some numbers on what and how much you're going to need at the age you want to retire. And you can reach out to our office at 951-926-4158. And, and Dr. Larry Waldman today has a special offer for you, and his website is topphoenixpsychologist.com. Maybe, Larry, you could share with everybody what you're going to offer today? Yes. Yeah, the, the, uh, the book we're talking about, uh, Too Busy Earning a Living to Make Your Fortune, uh, uh, that sells for uh, $14.95 if you want to... Uh, Purchase the. You want to contact me at either at through my website or my uh, or my email address, which is Larry Waldman PhD at cox.net. There'll be uh, the the, ship, the shipping will be uh, free. All right. Okay, and that's the. Um, we'll just take us right back into what we're talking about then. Okay. Um, sure. Uh, as I said, the uh, the first uh, the first school then is the uh, is is the behavioral school. The uh, the second school uh, that I refer to, and and I have already touched on it when I was talking about our financial blueprint, uh, is the is the psychoanalytic school, uh, or the Freudian school, or probably more commonly known. And again, I, I don't want to make this a uh, psychology class here, but essentially uh, the way I view it is is that you know, as children, you know, we, we learn certain truths uh, about ourselves and, and about our world uh, as we grow in it. And again, uh, as children, we're, we're terribly naive. Uh, we don't really know what's good, bad, or indifferent. Our experiences are our experiences. Uh, we really have no way to uh, assess them by, by and large. We, we don't know if, if they're, again, normal or abnormal and, and so on. And, and so we, we come to uh, learn about our world and, and learn about ourselves. Now, uh, some of us, unfortunately, are, are not raised in the, uh, the best environments for any number of reasons. And maybe, in fact, we, fortunately, as children, might have been uh, subject to some forms of abuse as well. And so, ultimately, uh, what happens in, in cases like this is, is that uh, the child begins to assume that there's something wrong with them. The child never blames the adult. Uh, in the child's eyes, the adult is much like God. 
So uh, if if God is punishing you excessively and so forth, the child can only assume that there must be something wrong with me to receive this this kind of treatment. And so what happens then is this this young child you know, grows into adolescence with kind of a mindset that basically you know, they are they're feeling unworthy. They're not they're, they're maybe not that lovable, uh, and and they're not you know, as I said they're not that worthy. And unfortunately, what what comes from that then is uh, is you begin to start making choices on uh, according to uh, some of those beliefs, some of those truths, as I like to call it. I mean, I've run across all kinds of people uh, who are very, very bright and talented and so on, but they never went to college because at the time they could have gone, you know, in their late teens and early 20s, they just didn't think they were smart enough. They didn't think they could handle it. And and so, you see, when you make that kind of decision, you know, let's say to not further your education, you know, that has huge impact on on your life. But, you know, again, some people make those decisions based on on how they perceive themselves at at that time. It also, of course, has some bearing on uh, what kind of friends you you select and uh, what kind of person you pair up with and so on. So you see this this uh, these er, this early mindset, these early truths have have a huge impact on on who on who and what we become. Now, uh, the way, of course, to deal with this as as adults is is we have to come to understand that the way we saw the world was probably accurate as children. But we can now see the world through our adult eyes, and we no longer have to see it through our child eyes. And, and that's frankly what I refer to as personal growth. I believe personal growth is uh, is being able to change our our life such that uh, we don't we can get out of the rut that perhaps uh, was set for us uh, when we were when we were children. All right, get out of the rut. That sounds like a good idea. So, would you give any any suggestions to our audience today of something that they could actually apply or or do? Well, yeah, actually, in in the book, uh, I, I talk about ways of of using uh, this uh, particular uh, school of thought, you know, to uh, to get out 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 of their ruts. And uh, one of them, of course, is is to you know, write down uh, some of those truths. Uh, that that you uh, that you believe in, uh, or at least used to believe in, and don't want to believe in anymore. And then you have to analyze these these truths and uh, recognize why uh, why you you came to believe them in the first place, and what what was happening in your life when you were eight, nine, ten, you know that that caused you to to draw the conclusions uh, that that you did at the time. And then you, of course, want to question these truths uh, and realize that, well, wait a minute, you know, just because I believe these things to be so when I'm when as a child doesn't mean I have to believe them uh, to be so now as an adult. Next, and very importantly, of course, you now have to rewrite your own truth. What is the truth today now? You're not the same person you were when you were 10. Obviously not. So who are you now? And so on. And then finally... 
once you've rewritten your truth the way you believe, you believe it now should be, then you have to walk the talk and you have to act it. In other words, you have to act as, as the new, as the new truth would, would suggest. In a nutshell, that's, that's kind of the process, but, uh, that's, uh, that's important. And that's what, uh, people do, uh, to get out of their, uh, out of their rut. Get out of the rut, right. Get out of the rut, get unstuck, and really check out too busy earning a living to make a fortune. That is really good because we're so preoccupied in, in what we're doing that we may be missing all the fortune or the blessings that are all around too, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Uh, the, uh, the third school is the, uh, is the, the cognitive school. This is the, this is a, um, more of a contemporary school. And, and basically what this school talks about is that what we tell ourselves, how we think, uh, determines how we feel, which ultimately results in, in how we behave. Again, I, I've already kind of made some references to this perspective. Uh, it's that little, uh, that little voice in our heads that, uh, that, that tell us things, uh, sometimes good, but unfortunately often, often bad. I, I see so many people, uh, who, uh, as I like to call it, make, make the worst of a bad situation. Uh, they, they, they catastrophize as we, as cognitives like cognitivists like to say, uh, we make things much worse than than they are. For example, if we're if we're thinking about uh, uh, maybe trying to step out of our rut, uh, and a little voice in our head says, "Yeah, but uh, you know you failed in the past. Uh, what what's going to prevent you from failing again?" Uh, and and so on. So you see that voice then keeps you stuck. And, and that's when we have to go, wait a minute here, I don't need to listen to, to that kind of negative thinking anymore. You know, I'm, I, this is something different. I'm making a plan. You know, I'm, I'm getting information. I'm taking, you know, I'm taking uh, things in a, steps in an organized manner, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and so on. And besides which, well, what if I fail? I, I ask uh, many times, uh, people that question, well, have you ever failed before? Well, yeah. And you survived, didn't you? Well, yeah. Well, then why are you letting it stop you now? Frankly, uh, I, I, be- I believe we often learn more from our failures than our successes. I saw a little uh, a quote the other day that uh, I thought made a lot of sense to me, that mistakes are only failures uh, if we don't learn from them. Exactly. Right, because there's is it's really it's all for us and everything's a blessing and there's and there's we're being taught something all the time if we can look at even the negative there's some there's a lesson in it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we can we can always learn from it. But we you know, we have to be our own cheerleaders. I mean if if no if, if we aren't going to support ourselves or promote ourselves then then who is? You know, we have to be, you know, we have to be okay, and so on. Uh, and we have to tell ourselves we're okay. Now, if if there's some things that, that maybe need a little brushing up, okay, we're not, you know, no one's perfect, then let's let's work on it. But that shouldn't stop us from from moving forward. Right. Uh, the the final school is uh, is the uh, 
referred to as the behavioral school. This, too, is a, is a contemporary uh, model, but it's very pragmatic. Basically, what the, the behavioral school says uh, is how we behave, uh, what we do, uh, is most important. We, uh, every time we behave, we have, have one of three consequences befall us. Uh, there's either a positive consequence, a negative consequence, or a neutral one. And, and, this, and these patterns of consequences ultimately determine our behavior. Again, we often sabotage ourselves uh, many times. You know, we, we learn behaviors uh, and we reinforce ourselves sometimes with, with, negative, you know, with negative things. Like, uh, for instance, uh, some people can't go to bed unless, um, until they eat a pint of ice cream at night. Well, you know, that might help you fall asleep, perhaps, but unfortunately, uh, you're going to have to keep buying bigger pants every month uh, you know, to fit into them. So it, it's things like that that we do that uh, uh, that sabotage us. Many, you know, if you think about it, if we're afraid of something and we avoid it, what have we done to the fear? Right. We've enhanced it. We've increased it. Avoidant behavior is very reinforcing. It's you know when we walk away from something that frightens us, momentarily we feel relief. So you see, what we've done is inadvertently strengthen that fear. But what we need to do is is take the opposite approach. You know, we we overcome our fears by facing them not by avoiding them. Now, what the behavioral approach talks about is we can take baby steps. Maybe we can't do it all at once, but we can take little little steps uh, toward overcoming our fear. Recently, little, for instance, uh, I'm steps. dealing with someone who had a had an auto crash and, and he uh, is refusing to uh, get into his car because of that. And he said, I'm not going to drive again. Uh, you can't make me. And I said, well, I'm not trying to make you, but I think you would understand or I think you would agree that uh, refusing to get into your car uh, certainly makes uh, life much more inconvenient. And, and he agreed he would. And so I said to him, all right, here's all I want you to do uh, until I see you next time. I'd like you to just simply sit in your car in the driveway uh, a couple of times for like 15 minutes at a time. Uh, until next week. And I said, could you do that? And he went, well, well, yeah, I could do that. All right, fine. I then saw him the following week, and he, he had done his homework, and I said, okay, now what I want you to do is sit in your car a couple, a couple of times, just two, three times, like 10 minutes or so, but I want you to start the engine. Could you do that? Well, yeah, yeah, I could do that, and so on. Now, and the next time was, uh, he'd, after he'd done his homework on a, the third session, I said, I just want you to back up and up and forth now on your driveway. Can you do that? Well, yeah. So, in fact, then he came back to me after that time. He said, well, you know what, Dr. Waldman? I actually drove around the block. <laughs> I said, really? Really? So, you see what's happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's what we mean by the behavioral approach. You know, we 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 have to you know, face our fears and 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 move toward them instead of away from them. And we can take baby steps in the process. Great. Well, this is really good information. Again, anybody wants to get a copy of "Too Busy Earning a Living to Make Your Fortune," you can go to topphoenixpsychologist.com.
and get a copy of it. You're going to get totally free shipping today. So you want to make sure you go over there to do that. Larry, do you have any cherry on top or anything else you'd like to share with everybody today? Give me that again. What, what were you asking? Well, I just wanted to know if you had any anything else you'd like to share with everybody today, like a cherry on the top. <laughs> the cherry on the top. Okay, I'm sorry. You know, the here's... cherry on top. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I apologize. That we don't eat anymore. <laughs> right, sure. <laughs> well, I, again, I think the I think the, the key message that that I, I'm I'm sending, I'm trying to send here, is that you know becoming you know financially independent is is much more about mindset you know than than it is about you know learning about stocks or managing your money uh, or getting an MBA or consulting with a broker. Those some of those things yes can be helpful, but but first and foremost we we have to change our 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 mindset about money. We we have to recognize that that we have we have a perfect right to become you know, financially independent. And today you know, with the advent of the uh, internet and so forth, uh, it is so much more possible than than it ever ever was before. It, it can be done. Uh, I've had many clients over the years that have started their own little small businesses and so on, which grew into, in some cases, some big ones and so forth, where they were able to supplement their income and so on and, and allowed them to do the things they really wanted to do. It's doable. It's possible. But you, you have to get past those uh, those hurdles that uh, that unfortunately keep us stuck. Right. Well, very good. That's we want to get past the hurdles and get unstuck. I mean, you can't go save money if you have a negative attitude about it or or think you don't deserve it. All it is is just energy in the form of green paper, and that's probably going to change again too. I think <laughs> you know right. they're going to get rid of all that. Sure. But the point is to you know to take everything, and my point is to be safe with whatever you have. And that's what I talk about is safe money strategies. But you have to have, that's why I talk about pre-retirement, you have to have the mindset. You have to have the peace of mind. You have to know what your goals are. You have to not down-wrap yourself. And so, again, get a copy of this book, Too Busy Earning a Living to Make a Fortune, and you get it at the top, phoenixpsychologist.com, Dr. Larry Waldman, and... Again, you can reach out to me at Chris, K-R-I-S, at Ready for Pre-Tirement, and we can show you how to be ready. And I really appreciate you being on our show today, Larry. Well, thank you. I, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I could make it. I'm glad you could and, and wish you a very blessed day. Thank you. There's so much to learn about healthy money. I hope today's discussion brings you one step closer to securing and protecting your future. So you can get started on the right foot, go to meetwithchrismeller.com and schedule your free financial fitness strategy session. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to Money 911 so you don't miss our next episode, which includes health, wealth, and peace of mind.
lives inside of us.